So as many of you know, I've come back from two weeks of a bit of a mini vacation or kind of a mini sabbatical actually. And things have changed significantly. When I left, it was summer. When I came back, it's winter. I used the fan in my office. Uh, when I left today, I had the heater on. So things shifted pretty quickly. And I spent a lot of time kind of just thinking about some of the deeper issues, giving myself time to really ponder some of the things that I don't have enough time to do when caught up in the daily life of running the church. And something that's very important to me is kind of listing out what, my, what I believe, what my core beliefs are, so that when I'm up here in front of you I'm, and, and giving sermons or talking to you in Bible study or something, there's a consistency to it. I think it's real important that it not just be what that day's message is, but that it have some sort of longevity. And so I did some things like immerse myself in some of the creeds, uh, read a couple of books, read one book, uh, read the majority of a book, a 1950 book by Eric Fromm, who's a psychoanalyst, called Psychoanalysis and Religion. So that was very interesting. And, and you know, didn't really make far much headway, but who would expect? I mean, this is, it's a lifelong project to do this. So, uh, but I kind of wish I had seen today's reading in Romans. Because I think, what amazing, what, what better place is there to start in terms of your faith and your belief than with love? What better place is there to end in terms of your faith and belief? With love. This is really what he says repeatedly in this short reading is it's all about love. I mean, you know, we hear it all the time. Love, love, love. All you need is love. What the world needs is love. Love is the drug. I could go on. I could keep. I'm sure you could too. I'm sure you could add a few. But he's talking about love, and the, the fancy Greek word for it is agape. And what that means is, and what he tells us, and it comes from a Leviticus citation, Leviticus 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 18, is love your neighbor as yourself. So it, a couple of notes in there. It starts with the love of the self. Now, this is not about arrogant preening love of self. It's about a humble love of self. But it is about you know, you recognizing that we are beloved children of God, made by God and called good. And so this is not some sort of dualistic flesh is bad or individual is bad. This is about love of self. It's grounded in that. And the reason we love our neighbor is because we have, as believers, an inexhaustible debt uh, because it comes from the infinite love that we get as believers that's recognized from Christ, from God and Christ, and from what God and Christ did for us. So, so we have this enormous debt that because we are loved, yet, and the way we pay that debt, we're loved by God from the creation, we're re that's reaffirmed in, the, in, in Christ's passion and resurrection, we are called to love our neighbor. Love our neighbor as ourselves. That's how we repay the debt. There is no part of Christian life that stands outside of love. So if you're ever in doubt, what should I believe? It goes back to love. And I think, I, again, I wish I had known that a couple of weeks ago because it did sort of clarify things. It pulls things together and say, what's the action that is love? Not easy enough to say, you know, yeah, we should love your neighbor. And, and then, you know, what do I do with that? It's very difficult to bring that to life. And what, what Paul thinks, I think, or what some people say that Paul is suggesting in the Romans reading, is we put, our play, we put ourselves 
in the position of our neighbor. And that neighbor be some, may be someone who refers to us, someone we don't like very much, someone that opposes us, someone that would rather have us not around. But we put ourselves in the position of the neighbor and say, what would I want if I were in that position? So if I were some particularly reprehensible politician, what would I want? Takes that to a different level. Because it says, how am I, it gets to some basic needs of how do I want, what do I want out of life? And so it's not about what you should do when you love your neighbor. It is about this, what I'm calling a radical kind of empathy. It is radically putting yourself in the shoes of your neighbor, even if that's someone that opposes you, and try to seek out what they want. And I wonder if that's not what Jesus is referring to in the gospel when he talks about taking up the cross. Is taking up the cross this kind of radical empathy? Now, the gospel reading is confusing, I'll admit, because it opens with hate your family, which is shocking enough, uh, and then goes on to, you know, uh, you're a victim of poor planning, that is, you know, whether you're building a tower or waging a war. Uh, and then lastly, out of nowhere, it seems to be to say, you know, it's like give up all your possessions. And it's just like, what, oh, wait a minute, what's going on? But if, if radical empathy is at, the, is at the core of this, then I start to understand what taking up the cross means. And it starts with this kind of self-emptying. And again, the fancy word for that is kenosis, that it's self-emptying. It's, it's emptying out yourself. Now, this is not self-denial. This is not, you know, you are called to love yourself. But it's emptying yourself out so that you can see what the other person, what your neighbor needs. And then completely giving ourselves over to what would I want in their situation. And that's where I, I mentioned the Eric Fromm book. He talks about some of the core needs that we as humans want. You know, and there is a core need that is to want to be seen, want to be accepted, want to be heard, to be comforted. And you can think of some of the other things that are core basic needs. So I go back to this particular, you know, let's take this, this uh, hypothetical politician that I'm not crazy about, at least not when I see him or her on the screen, on television, or hear quotes or read tweets. And I might say that, you know, that it's about their power or greed, or racism, or sexism, etc. But those aren't needs. Those, in fact, are sins. And we know what to do with sins. We know where to place sins. Sins live outside of, lo of love. So instead, we have a love-filled ethic. And so I seek with that politician, what, what, does, what does he need? Is this a cry for being seen? A cry to be heard? To be comforted? And how do I meet that? And it's not easy. Best example I have is my little schnauzer, uh, who some of you know, little Josie the white schnauzer, uh, who is crazy pandemic schnauzer, pandemic kid, but also just an amazing, loving, loving, loving dog. And so I, get, I take that, that love above everything else. And I take that, I get that from, from Josie. And I think it's funny, wouldn't it be just like God to demonstrate the love that we're supposed to follow in a, in a dog, in the love of a dog, because it's right there in front of us, in the love of a child, right there in front of us. So let's not complicate it. Let's get out of the way. So this love-filled ethic that, we're, that Paul's talking about, we're talking about tonight, is it's empty yourself. Get out of your own way. 
It's radical empathy. It's put yourself completely in someone else's shoes. What do they need? What do they need? What is this a cry for? And it's take up the cross through that radical empathy by getting out of our own way. And what's interesting is you find out it's all about love. You know, Tina Turner famously said, what's love got to do? It's, it's got everything to do with it. Everything to do with it. Thanks be to God. Amen.